So I titled this message, The Testing of Our Faith. You can be turning to Genesis 21. We're going to be starting in verse 8 here in a moment. I'll pick up where Pastor Dave Barnes left off last week. And don't you enjoy uh, going through the book of Genesis? It's been great. Uh, I just love it. You know, and I'm glad I'm not up here teaching every Wednesday, that I can sit out there just like you, you know, and be studying the Word and God speaking to me. And sometimes, you know, it's just such a joy to be a pastor and not have to be doing the ministry up here all the time, that we can just be there receiving like you all are. And, uh, but uh, as we get, the, the whole topic tonight is the testing of our faith, about growing our faith. And I'm going to share a little bit about my background. I've shared bits and pieces before, but this isn't my testimony so much as it was about my career before I was in the ministry. Um, I graduated from Iowa State in a, with a degree that probably most of you have to Google to even know what it means, agronomy. Yeah, you're looking at me like, what's that? Uh, it's an agricultural science. Agronomy is one-third uh, meteorology, one-third um, soil science, and one-third plant, plant science. And it's working with, with agriculture. It's like a, best way to describe it is like a doctor for the, for the, uh, for the farmers. So my first six years, I worked for, in the agriculture industry for 19 years, but my first six years, I was in a scientific role. I would go out and work with farmers, you know, identifying diseases and treatments, uh, uh, insect problems, uh, uh, weed problems, and trying to help the crops, you know, whether there's a nutrition issue and so forth. And so it was kind of a scientific type of degree related to agriculture. But one of the jobs I had when I was in college was I worked in a seed laboratory. And uh, in the seed laboratory, we would take, because all the companies that sold seed, if you ever bought a pack of seed, you would see somewhere printed on there a germination rate. The seeds all have to be tested to know what is the germination rate. So with agricultural seed, they all have to be tested as well. And so they'd come in by lots. And I was a part of a group that would test the seed. Now, we would test them in two different ways, under ideal conditions and in what we call stress tests. And a stress test would be we'd put them in chambers where they would be extra cold and they would stay cold and wet. And then we'd bring the temperature up after a period of days and then see what the germination rate would be, simulating like if you planted seed in cold soil and it stayed there for a while, what effect does that have versus if you just planted seed in ideal conditions? And you know what? There would be like, you could take seed, that there are two different lots that would be the same germination rate when it was ideal, but when you put it under stress, one would be do really well and one would do poorly which kind of is like in our lives. When everything is going great, it's hard sometimes to separate out a Christian from a non-Christian. What happens when we're under stress? What happens when we are going through th- things in our life? Do we, are we different than other people? Does the Spirit of God in us make us different? There's a bug flying around my head. <laughs> the enemy is trying to distract me, I think. But anyway, uh, so part of the testing was a quality, con- quality control. And we're going to liken that to, in our study today about Abraham, Abraham, up to this point, had gone through some, some things that were ideal, and he did well, and a lot of things where he had failures. Remember last week with Abimelech, you know, he tells Abimelech, 
yeah, she's my sister. And he takes Sarah as his, you know, into his harem, and then God brought judgment against Abimelech and his folks. And Think about how many times that Abraham had failed. You know, when he left the land of Ur, he was supposed to not take his family, and he took his dad, and he took Lot, and they stopped somewhere else before the promised land. When they got to the promised land, they didn't stay put. They went into Egypt. There, there was like a lot of different things that Abraham was failing in. Even in Egypt, he said Sarah was his, his sister. But this is a man that God wanted to use. And in order for a God to really use Abraham, he had to take him from his faith, at whatever his faith was at this level, let's say, and bring it up to this level. And I want you to compare that in your life. Wherever your faith is at, let's say it's right here, God wants your faith to grow. How does it grow? Well, it's going to go grow through various things. Part of it is testing. Part of it is, in the scripture says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the... Got him. <laughs> faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, it's going to be an interesting night tonight. Can't you feel it? So, we better get into the word. Genesis 21, verse 8. We're going to see another test of Abraham's faith here, okay? said so the child grew. Remember last week we had Sarah had uh, the child Isaac, and uh, so we pick it up there. Verse 8. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham had a, held a great feast. When Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had brought to Abraham was mocking... And she said to Abraham, get rid of that Egyptian or that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But look at verse 12. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you. I know some of you ladies have that underlined in your Bible. (laughs) Listen to whatever your wife says, okay? Because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also because he is your offspring. So here we see a test of Abraham. He obviously loved Ishmael, the son from uh, Hagar. But God, God in his wisdom knew that this was not going to be a good situation of keeping Ishmael and Isaac together in the same household. Ishmael should have never happened. It was a result of the slave woman, of Hagar, and the, the relationship where it should not have happened. They took matter in their own hands. It was not of the promise. So I want you to see in the first point on the slides today is that God's word is really based on his wisdom and love for us. When you, when, you, when you read God's word, you have to understand there's wisdom behind it. When he says don't do something, there's wisdom behind it. When he tells us to, to do something, there's wisdom. And we may not always understand it. And part of the test that we will have is do we obey God's word or not, even when it doesn't make logical sense. So Abraham here is at a point. This did not make sense. Sarah could see it. Sarah says, she needs to be gone. This is not going to be good for our family if, if uh, Hagar and Ishmael stay here. And that distressed. And so God had to speak directly to Abraham and said, listen to what she said. 
So his word is based on wisdom and love for us. We're going to jump on the slides to Galatians 4 and some different parts of Galatians 4 because it's going to tell us some things there of what God said in the New Testament related to the story that we're just going through. And let's read there. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh. Remember, it wasn't the promise. It was, God, it was man taking matters into his own hands. But his son by the free woman, Sarah, was born as a result of a divine promise. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. That's what we just read there in uh, chapter 21. It's the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Now, we could spend a lot of time, and I taught on that particular passage when we were going through Galatians uh, chapter 4. But here's the thing. God's wisdom was you had the law and the spirit. You had uh, slave and free trying to be together, and it wasn't going to work. Just like you couldn't have two wives in the same house you know, it wouldn't work either. And God is wise. And so God was saying, this, needs, this was not my part of my plan. She needs to go and her son needs to go, but don't worry about them. I'll take care of them. And what Abram had to do is his love for his son, Ishmael, he had to realize, okay, God has a word here. He has a promise. I'm going to have to trust that. And you can see now what he does. Verse 14. Early the next morning. I think that's an important thing. That Abraham got that word from God. What He didn't procrastinate. He didn't wait a while. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water, gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. And when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off, sat down about a bow shot away, and she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And she sat there and began to sob. Verse 17, God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift up the boy and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Let's just stop there. I will make him into... Oftentimes we think angels, but see, the angel of the Lord is speaking. This is Jesus pre-incarnate. This is Jesus speaking to her when it said the angel of God in verse 17, because he says, I will make him into a great nation there in verse 18. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went, filled up the skin with water, gave, to the boy, gave the boy a drink, and God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While she was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. 
Now, here's our next point, because you can, you can see the heart of God here, can't you? And that's this. God hears our cries. We serve a God of compassion, of provision, and protection. And I, I think that's a great reminder for all of us. Sometimes we think that God doesn't, he's not concerned about us. He's not aware of us. In this situation, here's a person who, sh- it, sh- it should never happen. Hagar, Ishmael, this was outside of God's plan. Okay? Very clearly outside of God's plan. And God knew this was not going to be good for them to stay with Abraham and, and Sarah and Isaac. But you see the heart of God there, don't you? When they became in a need, when she was crying because she thought life was over, God spoke. He showed up. God spoke. He opened her eyes and probably did a miracle there, and all of a sudden there was a well of water. She probably didn't see it before, and all of a sudden there was that well. And he brought provision. He protected them. And I think it's a great reminder for all of us, no matter what we're going through, sometimes we can forget, think that God is not aware of our situation, that he's forgotten us. Never, never, never go there. God sees. And sometimes he might allow us to go through a little stress to test us, to grow our faith. In fact, as we go through this message tonight, there's two main ways that God grows a person's faith. The one is through the Word of God. And as we're in the Word of God, that's why we teach the Word of God, we want your your faith to grow. And you learn the principles of God. You see how God operates for other people, and you say, if God can do it for Hagar and Ishmael, he can do it for me. So faith comes by us being in the Word. The second way we grow our faith is through our trials, through our testing. What that testing does is it reveals things. God already knows how the test is going to go, right? Just like I was talking about in the seed laboratory, we were trying to test under stress how a seed would do, how the germination rate would be. God knows in our lives, but we don't know. So God many times will allow us to be tested so we will be shown to ourselves, how did we do? Did we pass a test? Did we fail? And if we failed, he's there to help us to say, time to grow again, time to step up, you know? This is what you need to do. And when we grow, he's able to say, you know that word that you learn, that principle from the word? You've taken it now from your head. You know it in your head, and you got to get it down in your heart. When it's in your heart is when it, it changes us and helps us to become more like him. We can put that into action. So now let's finish out the chapter 21. We've got this little part here, and it says in verse 22, at that time, Abimelech, we heard about him last week, In Phiacol, the commander of the forces said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. That's interesting. We'll come back to that. Now swear to me before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Show to me and the country where you now reside as a foreigner the same kindness I have shown you. And Abraham said, I swear to it. I swear it. Verse 24 is interesting. Abimelech was a, a, he wasn't a a, a Jewish person, he wasn't a follower of the Lord that we know of, but you know what he could see? Compare him to to one of your unsaved family members, one of your unsaved um, uh, work, uh, you know, partners or somebody in the workplace and so forth. He says there, God is with you in everything you do, which begs a question, I have it up on the screen here. That's this. 
Do people see God is with us in all we do? Are people able to see the hand of God on your life? And that's a question I can't answer for you. I have to ask God, or I have to ask myself that question. Because we should live differently than the world. The, the world and the kingdom of God is going wider and wider every day. And it should become more visible to people in the world that we operate differently. But you know what? When we get angry, just like the world does, and we're involved in all kinds of sinful activities and lifestyles like the world does, they would say, we're, you're no different. You might say you believe in Jesus, but you're no different. So it's a challenge for all of us. Abimelech saw something in Abraham. He saw character in him. He, he must have saw some faith in him and says, God is with you. Can, will you favor me? Will you give me favor as a result of that? Now, we're going to skip verses 25 through 34 at the end of the chapter because it deals with Abimelech and Abraham and a little um, dispute that was over a well of water and a treaty they made. But we want to jump into chapter 22, which is an incredible chapter in the whole book, uh, the whole Bible, really, because it's, it's a picture displaying the gospel in the, New, in the Old Testament. So we're going to start here, Genesis 22, verse 1. Now, sometime later, we don't know how much time later than what we just read there in, in uh, verse, uh, chapter 21, but sometime later, God tested Abraham. So here's a faith test. That's why he called this the testing of our faith. Who tested Abraham? God did. Now, this is different than God tempting. God will never tempt us to sin, okay? But he will test us. He will allow our faith to be tested through different things. And we could be doing everything right. It happened in the life of Job. Just because you're tested does not mean you're in the wrong. It may be that God wants to, to reveal something to us and help us to grow. So verse 1 there, sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Which is going to give us the first point. I'm going to look at, we're going to look at five points tonight related to building our faith or testing our faith. Number one is the testing of our faith builds strength. Why would God do this? He wants to build strength in Abraham's life. Remember, he, he had a lot of failures up to this point. Some good, but a lot of failures. Look what it says in James 1, two through three, uh, verse 2 through 3. It says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It builds Strength. It builds a stamina. That the testing of our faith can build a strength in us. So don't look at the trials that you're going through tonight as there must be something wrong. Oh, God's, for, God's forgotten me. He, he doesn't love me anymore. Because, you know, when we go through a test, you know the first thing happens when we have a test come in our life, a trial? Satan is right there to lie to us in our brain, in our mind. Yeah, you know, what do you... You know, you, you did that last week. God's punishing you. You know, he doesn't love you. He tries to bring that condemnation. I was glad that, that uh, uh, Shane started tonight with a prayer related to that God, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So 
The testing of our faith produces perseverance. I was thinking of like uh, when I was in shop class in, in high school, uh, they had us build, uh, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank, chisels. We'd take a piece of metal and we would trim it down and we would have to forge the metal. Any people, anybody out there ever forged metal? You heat it up. And then you cool it down, and you heat it up and cool it down. Every time you heat it up and then cool it down, it's making it stronger and stronger. And, and it, so you could take a piece of metal and actually make it stronger than what it was originally. And you could use it as, as, a, like as a chisel because it had that strength that wouldn't chip away like when you're using and pounding on it. And it's like that with our faith. is like we're being forged and so forth. So let's go on. Verse 2. Then God said, take your son. So here's the test. Take your son, your only son. By the way, God said that three times to Abraham, your only son. He, God did not recognize Ishmael. He only recognized Isaac. So he says that three different times in the scripture to Abraham as kind of a reminder. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. You all know where Mount Moriah is? Mount Moriah is Jerusalem. The Temple Mount and Calvary is on a range called Mount Moriah. It's interesting that the place that God was calling Abraham to go to take his son was to go to that place where God would allow his son to be sacrificed on Mount Moriah, part of it called Calvary. That we know of. So the temple located there. And he says, your son, your only son. Does it sound familiar? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You're going to see many parallels in this story of the gospel. Of God the Father being a type of Abraham. And Isaac being a type of Jesus. Let's go. Verse 3. Early the next morning. So look what it says there, back to verse 2. Sacrifice your son, the son he loved, the son of the promise. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on this mountain. And then in verse 3, we see early in the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. To me, that challenges me. What would you and I do? Uh, boy, we'd have to, we'd have to be... Uh, this couldn't be God. This was just seems way too. Uh, we wouldn't probably get up early the next morning ready to obey, but Abraham did. He got up, loaded his donkey, and he took with him two of his servants with his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for a place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance, and he said to his servants, "Stay here with the donkey." While I go and the boy over, uh, over there. And we will worship and we will come back to you. I kind of wonder, it doesn't say on the, on the, uh, in the story, if maybe Isaac was riding on the donkey. Sound familiar though? Possible? Correlation of Jesus coming on a donkey? But I think another thing here related to testing of faith, our second point is this. Obey the Lord quickly before we talk ourselves out of it. When God speaks to us, 
So often we can talk ourselves out of it. When you know what God's saying, and you know the clearest way to know what God's saying is his word. Sometimes people say, you know, God's never spoken to me. Have you never opened the Bible? This is him speaking to us. And there's plenty of stuff in here for us to obey, isn't there? But oftentimes, I've never heard of God's audible voice. I, I know I've heard different impressions of him, or I, he's given me clear direction in some different areas. He's confirmed it. But so often, this is, the, this is where I have to focus on obeying. And so what we want to do is obey the Lord quickly when he speaks to us. Don't talk ourselves out of it. Look at Psalm 119, verse 60 on the screen. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Isn't that a good verse? That we hasten to obey his commands. Don't delay. So often we delay and then pretty soon we talk ourselves out of it. Now what Abraham was told to do did not make logical sense. But you know what? God sees everything from a different angle than we do, don't we? We see it from an earthly angle. God sees it from a heavenly angle. God knew what was going on, even though Abraham... And we can read this story, and we think, well, you know, we know how the story ends, so it doesn't seem quite so big. Can you imagine putting yourself in that place? If you were told that you had to go sacrifice the child that you loved so much, it did not seem logical at all. And this wasn't a time in, in, in an era where they did have child sacrifices. So Abraham probably thought, boy, this, I thought we weren't part of this type of thing. But it's a test, a test of obedience. A, the, a really, it was a picture of a father sacrificing their son, as you see the Father God sacrificing, allowing Jesus to come and be a sacrifice for us. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he, set, and he, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham replied, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. It reminds me of John 1, verse 29 on the screen. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isaac in this story is a picture of a lamb, a lambing, a lamb being offered by the Father as a sacrifice. The whole system of sacrifices, and I know it gets kind of bloody and gory, and a lot of times people don't understand, why all these sacrifices in the Old Testament? Those sacrifices were a picture of the innocent dying for the guilty. That's what Jesus did. The innocent dying for us, the guilty. When Jesus said it is finished, that sacrifice system was over because he was that sacrificial lamb that died for all the sins of the world. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there. Probably took some stones and made this area and arranged wood on it. He bound his son Isaac. We don't really know how old Isaac is. I've read different reports from people trying to figure that out. A lot of times people believe he was late teens to early 20s. So don't picture like this is like a five-year-old boy that was uh, being tied up here and so forth. So he must have somehow submitted himself 
to whatever, the father, whatever Abraham was telling him. Because he says, he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. You know, there's such a picture of submission on the part of Isaac. So often people are focusing only on Abraham in this story. But can you imagine what Isaac was going through? He allowed himself to be tied up by his dad. Dad said, just trust me. Be laid down there on that wood. You know what goes through my mind? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done, Father. Just another analogy, another example of Jesus laying down his life for us. The submission. See, Hebrews 11 gives us a little more of an insight of what was going on. And look it up on the screen. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, that's what we're reading about, this test, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who embraced the promises, talking about Abraham embracing the promises of God, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned, so this is what was going through Abraham's mind as he's those three-day journey of going to Mount Moriah, taking his son, obeying God. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so as a, in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead, from death. So what was going through Abraham's mind was, boy, I, God promised that he was going to bring all this descendants through Isaac. He's asked me to sacrifice him on this altar. He must be going to raise him up from the dead. So that probably that whole time, Abraham's thinking while they're going there, that three days, I think, gave Abraham a lot of time to think. Probably, he's probably in his own mind thinking, he's going to die, and he's going to come back. Where did he first start thinking about him dying? Probably when he left, early in the morning. By the way, how long was Jesus in the tomb? Three days, another similarity. Three days, he thought, death, and God's going to raise him back up. By the way, I have to then share this. This third point is this. Faith requires sacrifice and trust in the promises of God. We have to trust in the promises of God. But sometimes our faith will require a trust. Abraham trusted that God would raise him from the dead. By the way, I don't know... This just happened this week. Some of you probably saw it in the news. I'm not making this one up. This is not a joke. <laughs> in Ecuador, 76-year-old lady named Bella. She's in the coffin. They're at her wake. About 20 people are there at her wake. They'd been there for a number of hours, and they start to hear a noise. There's a knocking inside the coffin. <laughs> They opened it up. Bella hadn't died. She's in there. Somehow they, the medical people had thought she died. They wrapped her all up. They put her in the coffin. The family's there having a wake. And there she's inside there knocking. Let me out. I just had to interject. I, I, I thought it was just a funny story. I mean, it's like but she's still in the hospital. She's not fully recovered yet. But uh, 
evidently she'd gone into some type of trance in, the, in, in her medical condition. And so uh, in their mind, she came back from the, from the dead. But faith requires us to sacrifice, doesn't it? But we don't just follow blindly. We, we put our faith in the promises of God. And that's what we just read there in Hebrews. Abraham believed God that if, if the descendants were going to come through Isaac, then i got to trust that, yes, he's going to raise him up. If, if you've asked me to, to sacrifice him, then he's going to raise him up. Verse 12. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son, your only son. You know what God is saying there? You have passed the test. You feared God more than you feared man or you feared your own comfort or your own pleasure or anything about you. You feared God. Do we have that kind of fear of God? The fear of God to obey no matter what. But you, because you have not withheld your son, your only son, verse 13, Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Kind of a substitution there, isn't there? So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, and to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. We know that same mountain. At the time they're writing this, and they were saying this right here, on the mountain of the Lord, on Mount Moriah, God will provide. Do we know, looking backwards, that on that mountain that God will provide? Absolutely. He paid for our sins on that mountain. So here's our fourth one. Faith fears God. Fears God above other circumstances. And that's why when we put our faith in God, it's like sometimes we're going to have some challenges. Do we, do we trust God enough? Do we, do we fear the ramifications of disobedience? Oftentimes people are like, eh, I'm not going to do that. It's like I'm in charge. No, God's in charge. We need to fear God above all else. And you see that in Abraham. He passed the test. And when God says, now, in verse 12, now I know that you fear God, God knew ahead of time, didn't he? So this test was really about Abraham. And Abraham passed the test. Do you know that Abraham, after this, we could really say he was truly the father of faith? When he could do this, when you go to that extreme, you can trust God for about anything, can't you? Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from from heaven a second time. So we know that uh, this is the Lord speaking. It's not just a regular angel. Because of verse 16, it says, And said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the uh, seashore, your descendants, and here's a new promise. We already heard those other ones in the, in the earlier in Genesis about the descendants that God would bless. But here is a new promise that God is giving Abraham right here. It says, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. 
See, this is really new. It's, it's a new promise given. God has said, I will give you now the ability to overthrow enemies. And not over just overthrow enemies, just take their possessions. And that's what happened when the nation of Israel went into the promised land. They took over cities. They took over vineyards they didn't have to plant. They took over. They went into the land of milk and honey, and they were able to reap all the benefits of the walls that other, other people had built around the cities. They were able to take over because of this promise that God gave Abraham right here. So it's a new promise. Really, it's also a promise. It's a picture of really the birth of the church from the sacrifice of Christ. You think about what Jesus did. Out of that came the, the descendants, the church, the bride of Christ, the, the body of Christ. So we are all a part of that. So here's our last one is that God rewards our steps of faith. When you pass a test, there's a reward. Now, I'm not here to say that every time the reward's going to happen here on earth. Sometimes we may not get those rewards until we get into heaven. But I believe what the Scripture says, well, what a man sows, he reaps. And what you see in Scriptures is so often rewards of obedience. And God's right here, he's laying it out for Abraham. Some of these things Abraham didn't get to see. Till, he didn't see the nation of Israel coming in and possessing all these cities. That was going to happen later on as future generations. So some of it is a, is a picture of, of the future. But God does reward our steps of faith. In verse 19, Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. We're going to end there tonight. The rest of it goes into a bunch of different names and, and so forth about some descendants and so forth. But as we get ready to close, I just want us to be reminded of this for all of us. Romans 12, 1. We talk about this sacrifice. We talk about faith. It says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. One of the greatest things we can do as an act of faith is that we offer ourselves as that living sacrifice. In other words, we don't have to die physically, but we die to ourself, to our flesh. It's an act of pleasing God. It's, it's, and whenever you take big steps of faith and you think, oh, man, it's, I don't know how this will ever, you know, it's probably going to be worse. if, I, if I, I will. How many times have you ever heard that if you obey God, it's going to be worse for you? I've heard it so many times, and I know where that lie comes from. God is not out to make our life miserable and, and, and really want to, us to have a terrible life. When he, when he calls us as these steps of faith, we have to just, like I said, verse says that we offer our bodies a living sacrifice, and it's our true and proper worship. But that's what God wants to do in view of his mercy. In other words, in light of his mercy, he wants his love for us, his mercy for us. And because of that, we really respond to his mercy by laying our lives down. What Abraham was doing was he was responding to the grace of God, giving him a son in his old age, blessing him in so many different ways that, God, that Abraham was responding back to God. And it was just an, a wonderful picture. So as we get ready to close, I felt like as I was preparing, I wanted to close in a different way than what we normally do. We've looked at five things 
related to faith, the testing of our faith. And I really believe some of you are going through some major trials, major tests right now. And I want us to pray together. I want us to believe God together. Wherever two or more agree here on earth, it should be done for us by our Father in heaven. And if that's you tonight, I'd like you just to stand where you're at because we are going to pray collectively for people who are going through some, some big trials right now. You don't have to tell anybody what the trial is. We're not going to come and lay hands on you. But if you're saying, yeah, that's me. I'm going through a major test right now, a major trial, and I need God's help. We want to let the Word of God be applied to what we're going through right now. We don't want to just say, oh, that's a nice little Bible study and so forth. We, in this time, are saying, God, I need your help. I want to grow in my faith. I want to trust you. Thank you for standing. Sometimes that's, that's humbling. But you know what? It's that act of faith. Just by you doing that, you're saying, I mean business with God. I'm serious about it. God sees you standing. I'm not going to not acknowledge everybody standing, but God sees that and says, that person wants help. I want to be strong on their behalf. So as you're standing right now, those of you that are not standing, I'm, I'm assuming you're in one of these peaceful times, and praise God for the peaceful times. We're not always going through a trial. But if you see somebody around you, just, just look at them, you know, and just be praying as we pray for these who are standing and going through these times right now. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word, that it builds our faith, that we can trust you, just like Abraham had this major test of his faith through this trial, and you brought him through it, you strengthened him, and you rewarded him. I pray for each person who is standing right now, no matter what trial they're facing right now. For some of them, it may be a broken relationship. For some of them, it may be a health crisis. For others of them, it may be some type of financial strain or a, a job-related trial or a persecution that they're going through with somebody. Whatever it is right now, Lord, you know exactly these who are standing. And I pray right now that you would give them what they need. You would give them favor. You would strengthen them. You would give them wisdom. You would help them to have the faith to get through this trial, that they won't give up, they won't throw in the towel, they won't quit. That just as we read in James, it's the testing of our faith that produces perseverance. Build perseverance tonight, Lord, in these who are standing. Help them to get through on the other side of this. And as they do, Lord God, help them to feel like, wow, you have strengthened me. You've helped me grow through this. One thing I know is that when we go through these trials, Somewhere down in the future, there'll be another one. But we'll be stronger and ready for it in a different type of way by going through these. And so, Lord, bring help right now to those who are needing it. For the rest of us, Lord, let's be encouraged by your word, your love for us, as we see how you provided for even Hagar and Ishmael, Lord God. Somebody that should have never been there, but yet you still love them and show compassion for them, provision for them, protection for them. Provide for all of us, Lord God, whatever we may need. We love you. We praise you. And I just pray right now, if there's anybody here, or maybe watch online, who's not in a relationship with you, you've, you've drifted away from God, you know what? I pray that tonight you would cry out to God and you would turn your life completely over to the Lord and say, I'm, I'm tired of running my own race. 
I'm, I'm ready to be that living sacrifice. I'm ready to die to myself to live for Christ. And I pray that tonight you'd make that decision. If you're here in Melbourne, you can come on down front. I'd be glad to pray with you at the end of the service. If you're there online, I think there'll be a number you could call. Either way, Lord, we want to help those to come back to Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all and have a great rest of your week.